0: So much- You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Hello, hello. It's Tuesday, which means it's Ask an Expert Day on the you Beauty podcast. I'm your host, Chazzy Hunt, and today I want to help you get your chompers looking extra pearly white. So, yep, it's all about teeth whitening today. And to answer all my questions, we are very lucky to be joined by our esteemed guest, Professor Lawrence Walsh. Professor Walsh is a emeritus professor at the University of Queensland School of Dentistry. Professor Walsh, thank you for taking the time to be with us today.
1: It's great to be here.
0: Now, I need to know, teeth whitening... It feels like it's suddenly everywhere, but it's totally not a new thing. Why do you think there's all of a sudden been this surge of interest in people either having it done or contemplating having it done?
1: I think it might be because there's actually a surge of all sorts of cosmetic procedures as the COVID lockdowns begin to ease up. And that's been seen in aesthetic medicine. It's been seen in dermatology. So it might just be people wanting to spend a little bit more time on themselves rather than being stuck at home and unable to work or go out.
0: So it's not necessarily that it's suddenly more accessible or there's been all this great new technology. It's just that people realise, I need to get this done and I've been waiting two years to have it done.
1: There's a bit of that. I mean, there is actually some really good, exciting new technology in the space too. And I think that's one of the other motivators that often gets people's attention is what's new and is it better and different than what's gone before?
0: So let's start with the kind of person who should think about having teeth whitening. First of all, is it for everyone or are there certain people who are not great candidates?
1: There are a couple of medical conditions where your teeth are stained as they actually form inside the jawbone. So when they erupt, they have all sorts of interesting and unusual colors, and often those are extremely difficult or impossible to treat with conventional methods of teeth whitening. So people end up with veneers and crowns and things like that to basically hide it all away. Fortunately, those people today aren't very numerous, and we find that most people get interested in the appearance of their teeth often in their 30s and 40s when they realise that they need to look after themselves and try to retain a more youthful vigour by stopping their teeth progressively becoming yellow, which is what normally happens as people get older.
0: So what are the kinds of signs that someone might notice that would make them start to think, maybe teeth whitening is the way I need to go?
1: Yeah, people often, you know, when they're brushing their teeth, they look at their teeth afterwards and they do notice there's a bit of yellow or brown there. And so the dilemma is always, is that just stain which is on the surface or is actually this is internal and it's a sign of the inevitable aging, a bit like crinkles around your eye or little spots on your skin from sun exposure. And fortunately, it's one of those things that can be managed in people, although it's impossible to stop a tooth going through the inevitable changes of aging unless you completely cover the tooth with the crown or something like that.
0: I kind of never thought about our teeth aging, I'll be honest. I always think about our skin aging, but you think, oh no, your teeth just stay the same.
1: Yeah. So that you know the cells in the skin turn over about once every three weeks or so. So they completely replace themselves. The outside of a tooth, the enamel, exchanges itself all the time with the saliva. And this is why when we have things to drink that remove the ability of the saliva to repair enamel, we start to get what's called acid tooth wear or erosion. And drinks with citric acid are probably very, very well known for those sorts of problems. Mm. But the actual issue with the color of teeth happens internally. And as we get older, the optics of a tooth change as the internal structure becomes more and more solid When we're young, there's lots of little tiny pipes inside a tooth, and those pipes basically fill up. And as that happens, we start to see the true underlying yellow color of the tooth start to shine through. So having yellow teeth is actually one of those normal age-related changes. It's just that people today just don't find it so acceptable. Mm. If I showed you a picture of a person and I changed using Photoshop the shade of their teeth, then you would rank them as less attractive the more yellow that the teeth would be.
0: I'm so kind of blown away by this on so many levels, like the fact that I haven't considered an anti-aging regime for my teeth alone and the fact it means you're more attractive. No wonder we're all wanting whitening. Well, let's get into it because there are quite a few different options available ranging in price, ranging in invasiveness, and ranging in everything. So give me a rundown. What are the broad categories?
1: Okay. So the first group of things which are often talked about are things that remove external stain from teeth. And they could do this by basically scrubbing some of the material off the tooth surface. So lots of modern toothpaste have got little particles that basically scrub away things like the polyphenol stains from tea and coffee and soy sauce and red wine and things like that. But they don't actually address the underlying color inside the tooth. To do that, you need something which can oxidize, which is a type of chemistry where you can break down large colored molecules into invisible clear molecules. And this can be done using peroxides and the chemical cousins of peroxides or can be done using other oxidant chemicals. And a good example of that is one called thalidomoperoxycoproic acid, which is a lot to say. So it's generally called PAP. So peroxides and PAP, are the two major sort of technologies that are used in bleaching today to actually penetrate into a tooth and to convert coloured molecules on the inside back into something that has less colour or is completely clear, which makes the teeth look brighter and less yellow.
0: Uh, And I guess those more intensive options that are addressing the underlying issues are what you'd find in a professional appointment. They're not so much on offer in home treatment kits?
1: Uh, It varies. There are commercial kits for take-home that have got different forms of peroxide and also some with PAP. A number of those kits might also use another technology to lighten teeth, which is a thing called photodegradation, which uses a type of violet light. And this is able to break up some certain stains as well. So sometimes you find these kits might have a violet light on a little timer that you might hold around your mouth. So, those technologies also work and the violet light just boosts what the PAP or the peroxide is actually doing.
0: This is so science-y. I love it. Let's go back to the toothpaste, mouthwash, that kind of over-the-counter category. So, these, like price range is like around 10 bucks, maybe. And the effectiveness you're saying is kind of limited to surface level staining.
1: Yeah. So in dental land, we often measure shade on a scale of about 16 units. So that will remove typically about two of those units of external stain. But of course, those stains will come back depending on the intensity of drinking tea and coffee. Some toothpaste actually contains stain repellent agents, which are able to stick onto the surface of a tooth better than stains. So they basically evict them off the surface A bit like an episode of Survivor or The uh, the Weakest Link. It's like, you know, you're out of here. You read my
0: mind. You read my mind. I was just (laughs) thinking that. Are they effective or are they a bit of a gimmick?
1: No. So, the repellent technologies, they use a molecule called sodium hexametaphosphate. And there's actually really good evidence from clinical studies that that's great at dispersing these common dietary stains. So, a couple of toothpastes on the market use that technology. It doesn't do so well in between the teeth. So, you might find that the surfaces on the front look really great, but in between the teeth, still starts to look a bit yellow or brown um, unless you actually flossed that material all the way through and you sort of worked at it. And many people aren't particularly good at flossing. Only about one in 14 or 7% are really good at flossing. Uh, yeah. Okay.
0: And it's consistency of use also important with those kinds of products.
1: Very, very much so. Yeah, most of them are used twice a day, and that gives you a really good action. If you're using a toothpaste-type approach and you're only doing it once a day, then the effect's going to be pretty small.
0: All right, well, let's step it up then to the at-home kits, treatments, strips, all that kind of stuff. What are they going to offer you that the you know toothpaste and the mouthwashes aren't?
1: Yeah, so anything that sticks on a tooth or is held in place against a tooth gets time And that time allows penetration to get into the surface of the tooth. And basically, the lowest end tech would be the stick-on strips. So these basically stick a little bit of peroxide, normally 6% hydrogen peroxide. And that then diffuses, leaks into the surface of the tooth. And that can also reduce stain. Whereas when you have bleaching gel that's in a tray, the tray is designed to hold the material against the teeth. And this gives you a longer application, maybe two hours or maybe even overnight, depending on the product.
0: And where are the pitfalls with these products? Is it that they're not applied correctly, they're left on for too long. Can you leave it on too long?
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. It's very important that people don't go beyond the recommended instructions or they can end up softening the enamel, (gasps) eroding the enamel, causing them to get sensitive roots or even getting little chemical burns on the gum tissue where the tray goes. So a big thing with these products is to use the right amount. And strangely enough, most people don't know that the saliva on the surface of teeth actually works against peroxide products to neutralize them. So to get the best effect, you're actually supposed to dab the saliva off your teeth before you put these little trays in or before you stick these little strips on it. Most people skip that step and they think the teeth are clean, but the layer of saliva is actually pretty good at breaking down the peroxide into harmless oxygen and water.
0: Oh, gosh. So, if you kind of skip that step, then you might be just wasting your time and money.
1: Well, exactly. Yeah, if you've ever put some hydrogen peroxide mouth rinse in a cup and a bit of saliva falls into it, you'll see there's this really vigorous frothing reaction as the two things fight each other off. And the saliva, because it's continuously produced, will always win over a little bit of peroxide that's sitting in a tray. So that's important. The trays that are made in a dental practice, they're molded to the shape of the teeth from a model using a vacuum process. And as a result of that, you end up needing less gel. You end up swallowing less gel and less gel goes against your gum, so you get less irritation.
0: I had not even thought about swallowing. Is that something you also need to be aware of and careful with if you're using an at-home product?
1: Yes, a lot of people put too much gel in, and then they don't wipe the excess off with a finger or a cotton bud or something like that, and they end up swallowing it, and depending on the strength of the gel, it can cause some soft tissue irritation or even burns as it goes down, depending on how much saliva, of course, it runs into along the way.
0: Gosh, so I guess there's, you know, obviously a real price advantage compared to a professional treatment of an at-home treatment, but you have to be reading those instructions and confident you were doing it all correctly.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's all those little technique things that are just so easy to get wrong. It seems a simple process, but the actual chemistry is a lot more sophisticated than it seems on the surface.
0: If you did it all correctly, say you had your dentist show you how to do it. Are the results going to be effective and as effective as a professional doing it?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So typically with a a tray that has been suction fitted or vacuum formed to the teeth, you get about four to six shades after a week if you're using a high-end professional dental product. So basically there are two grades of products. So there's the low end, which is up to 6% hydrogen peroxide or equivalent. And then there's the high-end, which is 6% and above. And legally, under Australian consumer law, only a registered dental practitioner can buy and dispense the high-potency products. So you're always going to get a much greater effect from the high-end products. It just might take you a lot longer with the low-end ones, and maybe you'll never get to where you want to go.
0: It's probably for our safety that it's up to 6% only, considering all the mistakes we talked about. That's
1: exactly <laughs> the reason. Because, yeah, once you get over 6%, the chemical irritancy goes up a lot. And that's why the Australian poisons regulations set the concentration at 6%. And, and
0: that's a good lesson for anyone as well if you're trying to buy some dodgy internet version of it. Oh, Stay my gosh, away. yes. <laughs> Let's talk about the professional treatment. So first of all, is there just one type or are there a few different types of teeth whitening in a professional setting?
1: There's actually quite a few. So there is the in-chair bleaching can be activated chemically. It can be a photothermal product, which means that there is a light source that drives it and makes it faster. There are photochemical systems where the light source drives a chemical reaction. And there's photodynamic systems where a light source or a laser is used to produce oxygen reactive species. And then there's the PAP variety that then has the photodegradation violet light. So there's really half a dozen types of technologies. And it's really interesting. We've done some neat research that compares some of these sort of head to head so you can sort of get an idea of which ones are the most effective and which ones are less effective. And like most things in life the more sophisticated technologies are more expensive, but they get much greater results.
0: Would you as a consumer going in to have teeth whitening have a choice in which one you have or is that kind of up to the dentist to decide which one is the right one for you?
1: yeah no it's usually a a two-way discussion about what sort of result you want and when you want it so if you want a result but you're happy to do something at home in a week then we might offer you vacuum form trays to take home if you say look i'm going to a wedding tomorrow and i want to look you know drop dead fantastic then we might say well there's something that we can do in the next half an hour that might you know boost your teeth by four five six seven shades so the timing is actually quite important And then there are some difficult types of stains that will really only respond to the super-duper, you know, laser photodynamic, you know, top-of-the-range sorts of treatments, which are more expensive, but they can take you much further down the range. So it's like most things in life, you can get to the destination faster or you can get there slower, depending on how much you pay.
0: Tell me what would happen in a typical appointment when someone walked in to a dentist and they're like, I'm here for teeth whitening. What happens to them?
1: Yeah, so one of the most important things is they need a really good comprehensive dental checkup before studying either in office or at home because there are lots of things which are potential traps. For example, if people have had braces in the past, there are often little tiny transparent bits of resin left on the surface of their teeth where the brackets that held on the braces came off. And if you, How
0: long after?
1: Oh, for, for, for your whole life, basically. So, wow. so, so one of the things we do is we test for the presence of that and remove it. Otherwise, if you bleach the teeth, there's a chance that you end up with this dark spot in the middle of the tooth and it's light around the oh. outside. So it looks a bit like a toilet seat, which isn't a very good oh. look. We also have to check whether there are any leaking fillings or cracks. We actually have to check out where all the tooth-colored fillings are because sometimes people come in wanting tooth whitening, and actually they've got a whole bunch of crowns and plastic fillings which can't be bleached. So if you alter the shade of the natural teeth, then all that work has to be redone. And that could cost many times more than a bleaching treatment. So it's a bit like if you bring in your car for a respray and you say, just just respray the, the driver's door red, the rest of the car doesn't look Right, and it's the same with teeth. And the person's gingival recession, root exposure, those things need to be looked at because that will change the choice of the method that's used because if you've got a lot of exposed root surfaces, they fire up when you put bleaching gels on at home. So you'd maybe go more towards an in-office bleach. So most practices would have quite an array of options to choose from. So they might say, we've got you know this brand of take-home, this brand of take-home, we've got this in-office method, and maybe might even have two in-office methods. So they've got a range of things so they can customise it to the individual person, which is a really great thing.
0: For the in-office uh, treatments, how long would it generally take, and is it
1: painful? Yeah, that's a really good question too. So um, it depends on the system. So the general rule is that for a peroxide-based system, you'd normally allow 75 minutes or an hour and a half because you have to put uh, a lot of protectors and isolators in. You have to coat the gums with a type of removable plastic to stop the bleaching gel touching those. Otherwise, you get quite bad chemical burns. The teeth have to be cleaned, and then there's the actual gel going on, and then it might get activated with a light, for example, and a lamp. And then it has to all be done several times. At the end, everything has to be taken out. Whereas there are some systems where the experience is quite different because it's shorter and you don't need the gingival barrier. And this is where the systems with PAP are quite different. So they don't need the gingival protection put on the gums. So that actually saves about 15 minutes. So that cuts the visit down to an hour or a bit less and there's no risk of getting these chemical burns. So that's that's a neat thing. The other thing that can happen during a visit, there's actually seven reasons why you can have pain during a bleaching visit. But one of the most problematic ones is the one that can't be prevented. So there are technical reasons, all of which a well-trained person can generally stop happening. But the one you can't prevent is called a zinger. And a zinger is what happens when the oxygen radicals produced from peroxide reach the inner part of the tooth, often called the nerve or the dental pulp, and they cause it to fire off for a few minutes. It feels like an electric type of sensation. It's quite sharp and it can be a bit unpleasant. And that sensation Is often a limiting factor for bleaching with hydrogen peroxide. The experience on the receiving end is quite different with one technology versus the other. And so, if people have got a choice, you know, often people will think about something that is less likely to cause them to have some discomfort.
0: How long lasting are the results of a professional treatment?
1: Any bleaching treatment is limited by the fact that the tooth will continue to age. And if people are clenching their teeth, grinding their teeth, that's creating a type of microscopic trauma or damage which accelerates that process of yellowing we began by talking about. So those people might need to get their teeth re-bleached more often because of this sort of self-inflicted damage that they're doing. In other people, they might go two, three, four years And then notice that their shade's starting to slip away and then they'd want to get another treatment. So it varies from one person to the next, but somewhere in a window of time between one and five years wouldn't be unusual, I would say.
0: What is the ballpark on those kind of treatments?
1: Um it varies. So yeah, in office bleaching could run anywhere from four to five hundred. If you get into the like the very top of the range laser based treatments, it could be one and a half thousand dollars for a session. So it varies over that range because of the just the cost of the actual equipment and technology that's that's being used. You know, the lasers are, you know, eighty to $90,000 each. So, you know, think of, you know, several mid-sized cars, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> all those things need to be figured out. And I guess people who tend to have the high-end technology really tend to focus often on the more difficult cases that can't easily be treated with some of the more simpler and conventional methods.
0: In terms of aftercare, is there anything you should or shouldn't do if you've had any level of teeth whitening?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So immediately after bleaching, and particularly when it's done with the peroxide, the teeth are actually microscopically porous for a couple of hours. So if someone goes out and has a short black or a can of a black cola drink, they're actually likely to trap some of that pigment into their teeth straight away, which is like a crazy thing to do. Also, the way that we can bond things to teeth like brackets for orthodontics or even tooth-colored fillings, that ability is impaired for about a week after someone's had bleaching with a peroxide treatment. So there needs to be a bit of spacing before someone could have fillings or crowns or veneers actually glued or bonded onto the teeth afterwards. So there's a few little chemical things that just require the passing of a little bit of time. Probably the most important thing is for people to realize that a bit like when you buy a brand new car, it's nice and shiny, but then, you know, leaves and sticks and dirt start to accumulate on the surface of your car. The thing that tends to catch people's eye is this external stain. It's how much tea, coffee, red wine, those sorts of things they have. And that's why using toothpaste that have got some active stain repellent action can be really useful, or maybe even occasionally touching up at home with one of these products in a tray, maybe just, you know, once every three or four months or something like that. So we'll often talk to people about what is the right advice for this person given their lifestyle, because people aren't going to suddenly stop drinking tea or coffee (laughs) or having red wine. So you need to think about, well, then how do you come up with a protocol to manage that that's appropriate for that person?
0: And prevention is better than a cure for all of us. So are there lifestyle habits or any other things that every single one of us can do to reduce our chances of tooth discoloration in the first place?
1: Probably just being aware that if you use a mouth rinse at home, then mouth rinses can behave quite differently in terms of whether they leave any stain on your teeth or not. So the general rule is if the mouth rinse has an ingredient that sticks very strongly, then it can cause stain to build up over time. So mouth rinses contain ingredients like chlorhexidine or benzylconium chloride, cetylpyridinium chloride, things like Sepacol, for example. Those actually slowly build up stain on the surface of teeth over time. Mouth rinses that don't actually stick onto the teeth, like a peroxide mouth rinse or a listerine mouth rinse, for example, they don't stain teeth. So when you're using a mouth rinse every day, it becomes important to think about, does this mouth rinse I'm using also add to this surface staining as well?
0: Every episode of you Beauty ends without expert confirming or denying a myth, and here is yours. Teeth whitening ruins your natural tooth enamel. True or false?
1: Only when it's done excessively and in an extreme way, not when it's done properly and in line with manufacturer's instructions.
0: Brilliant. Professor Walsh, that is it today. Thank you so much for your time.
1: No, it's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening today. And don't forget you beauty airs every single weekday, so we'll be back in your ears again tomorrow with our beauty news episode. And if you're looking for something else to listen to, why not check out the quickie? It's Mamma Mia's daily news podcast, getting you up to speed every day. Take a listen. Is this Queen Consort announcement you think a sign that Camilla's done right by the royal family. She seems to be more and more welcomed in by the Queen herself. Has she sort of followed and towed the line the way that is expected of a royal? She, in lots of ways, understands Prince Charles's world and she has done since the beginning in a way that Princess Diana never did. Since they've been married and they've now had this long, happy life together, she does a lot of work with charities, which is what you're supposed to do. She is horsey and she loves the country and they mostly live in Scotland. And most importantly, she seems to keep Charles happy and out of trouble. So I think that the Queen and the royal family are thinking, well, that's maybe one corner of the family I don't need to worry about. Just by reading or listening to our content, you're helping to fund girls in schools in some of the most disadvantaged countries in the world through our partnership with Room to Read. We're currently funding 300 girls in school every day and our aim is to get to 1,000. Find out more at mamamia.com.au. This episode was produced by Michaela Floriano. I'm your host, Chazzy Hunt, and I'll speak to you next time. Bye.